Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. All right. A lot went on last night. Welcome and thank you. Yes, I'm still wearing my Indiana shirt because, well, they're in fifth place and we're supposed to get excited because that's what we do. But all right, let's discuss a few things here as we move along in the world of sports. First, I'm watching this morning Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, just don't play. How about we do that? Some guy named Harry Douglas, some guy named Bart Scott are on TV and they're like, yeah, well, I'm not playing until I get a guaranteed deal. And the truth of the matter is most of you will agree with this. I tell you what, I have a, I have a proposal for all athletes, LeBron James, <clears throat> Westbrook, everybody. Just don't play until you own the franchise. Just don't play. Just do yourself a favor. Don't play unless the bosses give you the keys to the franchise. Unless they say, okay, you've got the parking, you've got the ticket sales, you've got the sponsorship money, you've got everything. You've got it all. Because this is where it's going. Some idiots on TV are saying, well, I would never play. Really? Well, when would you play? Only when I got a total deal done. If I am the Baltimore Ravens, and I am not sure whether Lamar Jackson is my quarterback or not, I am not giving in to public pressure and saying, hey, you just take whatever. I'll pay you whatever. And then I'm stuck with a quarterback that I don't believe in because clearly they don't believe in him. Or clearly the agent of Lamar Jackson is being whacked out too crazy. Just, I tell you what, LeBron, don't show up. You broke the record. You're doing your thing. You're not showing it. Last night you did. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But I think that players should just not play until they own the franchise. Let's just, let's just do away with the middleman. Let's just do away with the owner. I mean, the owners get in the way of these great players. Now, remember this, and here's the other side of it. The NFL is going to go on just fine with or without Lamar Jackson. And were I the owner of the Baltimore Ravens, I would let young Jackson know, look, this league is going to go on. You are young. You are great. I, he is one of my favorites. But I got to tell you, I've just had enough of this Lamar Jackson crap. I mean, and I'm listening to these guys. Ex-players have all the freaking answers, right? Ex-players have all the I'm not playing. And then whoever the guy is, Ryan Smith, who's the host. Oh, my God, it's just mind-blowing, the numbers. Hey, how about we walk like men? Lamar, you got a contract. Let's go play. Love to give you an extension. Let's work it out. If not, we're going to franchise tag you. You don't want to play? Hey, look, our guy Hundley made the Pro Bowl. I mean, there will be a time, I swear to you, there will be a time where owners and coaches take their teams back. We saw, look, the smartest, is there ever a problem with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? Was there ever a problem with Tom Brady? Ever a problem with Roethlisberger and a contract? Was there ever a problem with any of these guys that actually won Super Bowls? Ever? Ever a problem? Of course not. 
course not, because they sit there and they realize, look, Joe Burrow's going to get paid. There won't be a problem. But there's always a problem with certain guys. Deshaun Watson, always a problem. This guy, Jackson, always a problem. I'm tired of And I'm tired of former players. I don't know how you all feel about it. I'm sure I'm on the wrong side. I'm sure I'm just an old man, but I want to win. And the fact of the matter is, these teams in the NFL that win, and I mentioned Brady, I mentioned Mahomes, ever a problem? Do you ever remember a idiotic, ridiculous contract negotiation with Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Do you ever? How has this worked out, ladies and gentlemen? How has this worked out with all of these different contract negotiations with Lamar Jackson? I don't know. Have they been in the Super Bowl yet? Uh, have they been in the Super Bowl yet? No. No. I'm not even sure they've been close to the Super Bowl. Just think for a second. See, I come on this show and I give you what's real, and a lot of you don't like it. Look at championship quarterbacks. This is what you're supposed to do as a freaking general manager. And that's why I like Grigson so much better than Ballard here in Indy. One guy was focused on winning. The other guy's focused on PR. Your job is to focus on winning. Have they won big, big, big time with this guy? No. Did Brady win? Yes. Did we have contract problems with Brady? No. How much has Aaron Rodgers won since he's been a pain in the backside every year with his contract? It exhausts the franchise. And the idea is to win. You never one time heard Brady in negotiations. You never one time heard Peyton Manning in negotiations. You never one time heard any problems with Mahomes in negotiations. Joe Burrow, it's all media speculation. There's no issue. They're going to sign him. And all these guys, do you ever hear of a problem in contract negotiations in San Francisco? Ever? Of course not. Kyler Murray, problem. Deshaun Watson, problem. Uh, This guy, problem. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, problem. And you never win. But none of these idiots on TV understand that. I understand. Former players, we got to get yours, blah, blah, blah. Shut the living hell up. It's time for fans to demand winning. The NFL game experience ain't that great. In fact, it ain't great. But it's time for NFL fans to demand winning. Honest to God, just look at it. Oh, Deshaun Watson's great, man. You don't understand. And, of course, they'll be, you're racist. Yeah, okay, whatever. All right, whatever. Yeah, you're right. I'm racist. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's great. Yeah, everybody's great. Uh, All I do is watch, and I don't see Deshaun Watson in the AFC Championship game. I don't see this guy. I don't see any, I don't see Aaron Rodgers anymore, but all I hear about is contracts. Drive you nuts. Drive you bat blank crazy is what it will. You are here to win. Speaking of winning, why am I the only college basketball analyst that does enough research to tell you certain things? Why am I the only guy? You know, back, you see it all the time. I saw it four times last night. Ball spinning, hits the back iron, it's a brick, but it sticks on the flange and it goes in. The idiots that analyze games say, well, you know, that was a brick. He caught a brick. He didn't catch a brick. Back about 15 years ago, FEMA complained about the basketball, so the basketball's softer, and it sticks on the back, and it goes in. Same thing with referees. Look, referees, that's what I did. I sit and I talk to them. I don't, most coaches, when they talk to people on the road that are analysts, talk about themselves. 
well, you know, back I had this, and you know, this guy, oh, he's a great player for me. No, me, I like to ask questions. I'm naturally inquisitive. So I would ask referees, hey, man, this ain't going on air, but tell me about replay. Ah, oh, it's the worst crap ever. Ah, oh, it puts doubt in your mind. Last thing you can have as a referee is doubt. Last thing you can have in the back of your brain is anything other than this call is the right one. I know what I saw. I saw it. I called it. I don't want to hear about it. Swear to God. So now everybody's complaining. And I watched last night. Not one analyst talked about the fact that instant replay is killing officiating and the officials know it. I mean, I can't tell you how many people. So last night, Indiana's playing Northwestern. Indiana makes this great comeback. They make a great comeback. Uh, uh, Bowie looks like he's pushing off. Shoots, makes, Indiana loses, Northwestern wins. Crowd's going nuts, push off. I don't know whether it was a push off or not. I think the defender should have been stronger. I think the defender, Galloway, who was whooped all night, was off balance for the most part. But hey, so of course what happens with Indiana fans and with Purdue fans is everything's the referee's fault. It wasn't the referee's fault last night. It wasn't even a little bit of the referee's fault last night. It was bad footwork by the guy defending the ball. But if you but people in Indiana, whenever their team loses, complains about the officiating. But the truth of the matter is there's a reason the officiating is no good. There's a reason why you look and you go, man, why is this not as good as I remember it? Two things. One, players are faster, and instant replay has put doubt in officials' mind. Is this giving them an excuse? Of course not. But that's what's happening. It happened. Well, football. Football went woke, football went diverse, diversity hires, let's be honest, all the diversity, we got women in there, we got guys that only have five years experience, we got women with only five years experience, we got rid of a bunch of dudes that had 25, 30 years of experience, because why? We don't want the report. NFL fishing is a whole different deal. It's a whole different deal. You know, get woke, go woke. Get woke, go, you're bad. Now, you just are. I'm sorry. You, you, you hire the best people with the most experience for tough jobs. It's what you do. I don't care if you're black, white, purple, green, female, male. I don't care. You hire the best, best people for jobs with the most experience. That's what you do. But in college basketball and college football, I'm telling you, these dudes here are part-time. So everybody whining about the official. Purdue whining about the official. I need Indiana whining about the official last night, and it's all a bunch of crap. Nobody understands it. Nobody understands it at all. It's basically instant replay is ruining officiating. Now, if you like instant replay because they got it right, then good for you. God bless you. They got it right. They don't ever get it right. Instant replay doesn't mean you get it right. And who cares if they get it right? It's a human game played by humans, but I digress. I digress. So anyway, that's the Indiana thing. Indiana had an idiotic assistant who is an idiot. They're all idiots. Get a technical foul. Then Woodson lost his mind. Might be suspended. Looked like he touched the referee. If he did, if he touched Larry Scarato, then he probably is going to be suspended. But anyway, Northwestern, who had not won back-to-back games against top 25 teams in, ladies and gentlemen, in uh, since 2009, goes away with a victory. And in the great state of Indiana... Uh, we're mad because the Northwestern student section's mean. They're mean. Hey, look, I'm a guy literally that pulled Bob Knight off a trombone player as we were walking out of uh, Welsh Ryan Arena. 
Guy put the trombone like that in Knight's face. Knight grabbed the trombone. He was pulling the guy off the bleachers, and I kind of grabbed Knight, and I separated, and Knight started MFing me. That's all right. Yeah, you can MF me. Good for you. You pulled the kid off the bleachers. Uh, yeah, okay. But anyway, there is never going to be a day in Indiana fans, they were mean to Cooper Cup. Shut up. Northwestern fans never mean. But the game of the night last night, good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Here's what I liked. Tennessee, at home, beat Alabama. couple things in this game that I really liked. One, crowd did not rush the floor. They celebrated singing Rocky Top, and I thought that was very cool. Two, Nate Oates, a guy I actually like, although I have ripped on this show, Nate Oates talked trash about our friend uh, Bruce Pearl's Auburn team. Well, that was their super blah, 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 blah. Karma is a mother. And number three, and this is what I love sometimes about college basketball. It doesn't happen all the time. But you go into a gym like Thompson Bowling last night. You go in there, and there are just some days in some places you're just not going to win. And last night... It felt like to me, as I watched that ball game, that Alabama had walked into one of those gyms. Purdue did a few uh, weeks ago at Indiana. A lot of teams have done it over the years at Cameron Indoor. Don't get me wrong. There's a, there's, but there's only certain places. Now, the game itself came down to this. And this is an impact of the crowd. Six of 19 is what Alabama was around the rim. Now, I thought, I thought the Vols did a nice job of kind of getting their chest. There's a way to play defense around the basket. You know, what looks like an easy shot for a guy, you can't smack down, that's a foul. But you go into him with your chest and your hands behind your ears. You know, so your hands are here, and it, and it pushes the offensive player just a little bit. And I thought Tennessee was terrific at that. So you look at a stat sheet and you say, man, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we're 6 of 20 around the rim. We got great shots. Yes, you did. But the chest into the offensive player of Alabama made it difficult, made it harder than it looked. Next time you're watching a college basketball or an NBA game, NBA's a little different. They don't do it as much. But the chest, hands up, my shoulder's killing me, but behind your ears, I'm telling you, it forces the – when you shoot a ball around the bucket, you want to be going forward. Like jump hook, I'm going forward. It forces you just a little bit back or even. This is even, this is back, and this is forward. And it, I'm telling you, I didn't look at it, but I'm betting you two things happen. A lot of short shots around the rim. And short, when you bank it off the backboard, it hits the, the same side, that's short as well. But anyway, it was a great night for Tennessee basketball. It was really a great night for SEC basketball because, frankly, we had a monster game with an unbelievable arena, incredible fans, and the game did not involve who? It did not involve Kentucky. That's pretty good. And as I said, kudos to the fans of Tennessee for showing, being loud, being crazy, and then celebrating. Look, I'm one of those guys that when I go to see my daughter in Nashville and we go to a bar, I sing the songs. Man, I feel like a woman. Shania Twain gets an entire bar singing that song of men doing that. It's insane, and I love it. And that's what I saw last night. I'm not going to lie. 
That's what I saw last night. Hey, our friend, our friend Shaka, Shaka Smart got a hell of a win against a really good Xavier team at home. Now you say they should get those wins. Yeah, they should. But that was a nice win. Louisville continued to lose. Good for Louisville. They hired America's smartest assistant coach, Kenny Payne. He'll probably get Louisville going. Louisville played the breaks off UVA. Away you go. Remember I told you about Chris Jans? Remember I told you about all that's going on at New Mexico State? He's the guy that brought that culture to New Mexico State where they had to, ladies and gentlemen, they had to get rid of the program for the remainder of the year under Chris Jans' assistant, Greg Hyatt. Well, Jans is at Mississippi State. Kentucky went into Mississippi State and got her done, and I ain't mad about it. I ain't. My guy, Uncle Teddy, thought you said you wasn't mad about it. I ain't. So there you go. But it was a great night of college hoops. And Indiana fans, you can get mad all you want, but you didn't come out to play. They got you. They got you down good. A lot of heart by IU coming back. Trace Jackson Davis. I got to tell you, Zach Eady is one. Trace Jackson Davis is 1A for player of the year. You got to come out ready to play. Now they got Illinois, and you got to hope, at least I do, that Indiana doesn't crumble. Here's what you got to hope if you're Tennessee, that, you know what, springboard. Let's go. Let's go, because this is the time of year teams take off, and this is the time of year that teams quit. Last thing, college basketball. Duquesne and Wofford. We got it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Don't at me, people. Don't at me. We got it. Hey, did you know, did you know that Patrick Mahomes can't even go take a dump without getting cheered? Did you know that he can't even, I don't know if he's taking a dump. I don't know what he was taking, but he was in a porta potty. Here's some video. I never thought we would say this on this show, but here's some video of Pat Mahomes coming out of the crappa and getting cheered. Here's the crapper. Mahomes in the crapper. He emerges. And he gets cheered. I'm not going to lie to you. That might be the best video ever. <laughs> Look at this. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you shake hands with him? I don't know. Is there water in the crapper? Like, do you wash your hands in the porta potty? I mean, that looks like a high end porta potty. That looks like some classy dumpster. So, yeah, I think I would. But, man, oh, man, that is awesome. Now, see, is there ever any drama with Pat Mahomes? No. Is there drama with Lamar Jackson? Yes. That's all I'm saying. Uh, for some reason, this is very weird. Now, I, I didn't get into this for a few days because I kind of waited. I kind of waited to see if anybody was going to say anything. But DeMar Hamlin, in an interview on Super Bowl Sunday, and I want your opinion on this. I'm going to the YouTube chat. I want your opinion on this because I felt like, wait, let's not, let's not play this Monday, Tuesday. Let, let's, let's let this settle. Let's hear, hear from Lamar Hamlin, Super Bowl Sunday. From the ICU, the question on so many minds, what caused his heart to stop beating? You're 24, peak physical condition, could run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did doctors describe what happened to you? 
Um, um, that's something I want to stay away from. I know from my experience at the NFL, they do more tests than anything. And in the course of you having your physical, did anybody ever come back with any, say you had a heart issue or anything that was abnormal? Uh, honestly, no. Um, I've always been a, a, a healthy, young, fit, energetic, uh, you know, human being, let alone mm -hmm. athlete. Um, so it, it was something that was just, that we're, we're still processing and I'm still talking through with my doctors just to see. Yeah, I'll stay away from that. Pfizer's a big sponsor. The conspiracy theorists say that Pfizer's a big sponsor of the NFL. Now, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. You don't know. None of us know. But I, I waited to hear, like, well, you know, I, I didn't answer that because I, I didn't want I couldn't remember the, the uh, what, the, 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 you know, the, the, the names, myochondritis, whatever. I, you know, I mean, I was waiting for something that was going to come out and he was going to clear it up. But I got to tell you, and I looked at it, I didn't see any clearing up. So, you know, but, I, but I, I try to think things through logically, okay? I try to think things through logically. So this guy, DeMar Hamlin, has this issue. And we all wonder why he didn't answer the question. All right? So, but let's go the other way. And let's go this way and say, okay, he didn't answer the question. Um, is he, did he get bought and paid for? Like, what would be in his best interest? Did the doctor say, look, did the NFL say, look, with doctors, this is bad business. You know, we want to stay away from any speculation on any heart issue relative to vaccines, medications, that kind of thing. They wouldn't just say, hey, look, don't talk about the shot. Because, you know, you could get sued, I could get sued. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, but I do know this, he didn't talk about it. And he was pretty forth, uh, forthcoming, and he was pretty, I don't know the right word, uh, articulate about what he, you know, what they had tests they had done and what they had done previous. And then when it came to telling him why, he doesn't have an answer for it. It's very odd to me. Uh, and I'm not saying there's anything here because you got to look at it from the other side. What if doctors ran in and lawyers ran in and said, don't answer any questions? I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, but, you know, I want to know here in our YouTube chat, that's because, oh, I see. Okay, Kevin Wolf says that's because DeMar is waiting for, uh, is waiting to see if he can sue the hell out of drug companies. But that could be, uh, you know what? That could be true. That could be very true. See, I don't go to the conspiracy theory that the shot did him in. I'm not, I don't go to that. But I do go to what lawyers, this is why I'm trying, and I'm not saying it articulately enough. What did lawyers say? What did they want to know? What did they tell him not to say for a future litigation or, um, or not? But that's how I look at it. Is he going to be suing something? Brian Anderson thinks that he is going to, uh, yeah. Uh, the doctor that gave Hamlin a booster five days earlier posted on Twitter that he was in contact with doctors in Cincinnati. I don't know. You know, just got the booster. 
You can say whatever you want, but young people seem to be, not saying they are or aren't, but seem to be dropping all over the place in our country. Another 25-year-old soccer player had a penalty kick, knocked it in, and then dropped dead. Doesn't seem normal. We shall see what we shall see. But again, I wanted to wait just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, The Kelsey brothers, the Kelsey brothers were the Super Bowl heroes. Everybody was talking about them, and they should. I think Jason Kelsey, he looks like the kind of center that everybody wants to follow. Let's hear from the Kelsey brothers. The moment I saw mom is when I got really emotional because, man, it was so awesome. It was all right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it was awesome for you know she was on top of the world for for a week. She was the heavyweight champ, man. She was on top of it, and she shined the whole time, man. That was that was the coolest part, Mom. You absolutely killed it. Dad, you've been killing it. Yep. It was just so cool, man, to see uh, you know her get to celebrate in that with us. Yeah. I'm with you, brother. It was an awesome moment. <sighs> just so happy for her and so happy that um, you know she got her moment. Dad got his. So, yeah, I was the only <laughs> ironically, you know, you you lose the Super Bowl. And you're you're crying after the game, and they're not tears of sadness. You know, they're tears of joy. That's a good dude, man. Hey, now that is a good dude. His brother, younger brother, acts a little crazy, but that is a good dude. Wow. That's pretty good. Now that's really good. Um, here's the deal. So yesterday, and I know we hit on this a little bit yesterday, but CNN's Jake Tapper and uh, Bob Costas say racism is, racism is no, most likely to blame for Eric Bieniemy not being a head coach. Okay. You know, the easiest thing in the world to do is just blame racism. Maybe Bieniemy goes into interviews and isn't very good. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you a simple question on the enemy. Why, with all their success and all his relationship with, supposedly, with Andy Reid, with the entire staff of Kansas City, and, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Mahomes, if this is all so great, why is he looking for parallel moves to, actually not parallel moves, any move outside of being the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs is not a lateral move, it's a step down. You're talking about the Super Bowl champs. But it's got to be racist. Everything's got to be racist. It can't be that he shows up in an interview and isn't very good in an interview. I mean, I, if he was great, he'd be hired. If he was dynamic, he'd be hired. If he had a plan, he'd be hired. If he was somebody that everybody gravitated to, he would be hired. It, it, you, know, you can say it is racism. And the easiest thing for a guy like Bob Costas and Jake Tapper to do is say racism. But the truth of the matter is, why is he looking for another job in the same position elsewhere? 
Why? Is it Andy Reid's racism? Is Patrick Mahomes racist against him? Has he wore out his welcome? Let me explain what you never wear out. You never wear out your welcome when it comes to winning. There is no wearing out of a welcome when it comes to W's. Period. None. You win, you extend. You win, you get raises. You win, we're all in this for a long time unless we do what? Get a better gig. Get a head coaching gig. So there's something going on here, and it's time people ask this about the enemy. He did have a domestic violence charge against him. I don't know. Is that in people's mind? But I'm tired of it just simply being racist. I look at the sideline of NFL sidelines, and it's all African-American coaches. Don't even try it. All right, speaking of this, uh, I wanted to get into this and I forgot. Chris Beard. Chris Beard got his domestic violence charge dropped. Now, you remember Chris Beard? Chris is, was the coach of University of Texas. Chris, as the coach of the University of Texas, had a seven-year deal, five years left on the deal. Okay, listen to this. So his fiance, Randy True, would not show up, told the prosecutor, yeah, I'm not going to show up. I want the charges dropped. The prosecutor, Jose uh, Garza, had to defend his office. Hey, we've had thousands. He's, he's noted as a very, very, very tough on domestic violence prosecutor. So let me ask you, there's two questions here. Now, people may get mad at one of the questions, but my sister was a 25-year domestic violence prosecutor in Bloomington, Indiana. And anybody that really knows Bloomington, Indiana, knows Bloomington, Indiana is basically a hellhole outside the campus. Just telling you what it is. The things that she would tell us that she prosecuted were ridiculous. All right, so let me ask you, in a domestic violence charge, This guy lost his job. Joe Davis, the chancellor, the spokesman for the university, uh, condemned this guy, Chris Beard. Chris Beard was guilty before he ever had a chance to prove his innocence. Now, I don't know that this proves his innocence. And I don't know what was said between Chris Beard, Chris Beard's lawyers, the folks at Texas. I don't know. And the police report is pretty clear that this lady said that he grabbed her from behind. But the prosecutor can't get a conviction. It's a very dicey thing here. You know, I was watching the other day. My sister got a prominent football player at Indiana University off of a rape charge because he had videotaped the act. The girl came in, charged rape with her father, crying, the guy was going to go to jail for a long time. My sister had the video. My sister asked the guy, the dad to leave, showed the girl the video, said, are you sure you want to go through with this? Obviously, the girl said no, said fine. Because the kid had videotaped it, which isn't exactly the most morally upstanding thing to do, the kid didn't have to go to jail for 20 years. It's a very dicey thing. So those of you that are saying Chris Beard should never have been fired, I've heard that. I don't know about that. Those of you that are saying Chris Beard's a dirtbag, blah, blah, I don't know about that either. Domestic violence is an incredibly touchy thing. It is. 
I mean, we all know that the person who gets violated most times doesn't want charges filed. Most times wants to come back. There are always two sides to things, and you can't blame either. It's an incredibly dicey thing. That is what I have learned from my sister. So I don't know if Chris Beard's a victim. I got people on here. He's the latest victim. Yeah, I don't know if he's a victim. I don't know that he isn't. I know that he put himself in an incredibly stupid situation. That I know. And I know in this world, if you are a high-profile person and you put yourself in an incredibly stupid situation, the court, particularly as it involved domestic violence or anything of that ilk, you are going to be treated basically as you did it, goodbye, we don't want to deal with you. Is that fair? I don't know. Hell, I said I would not go in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife. Would not go in. The indie star and the woman called that violence against women. I don't know. It's a weird world that we live in. But I do know this. It ain't always, this is not, he was wrong for doing it, clearly, don't get me wrong. But this is not, he's either a victim of what? Of a cancel culture? I don't buy that. Or, or they did the right thing, and I'm not necessarily sure that I buy that. I don't know the answer. But I had to address it because I got so many people telling me, well, see, another guy canceled. I don't know, man. Police report, the lady said what he did on that night, and then whatever happened with her, she doesn't want to testify. It ain't cut and dry. We'll see what happens with Chris Beard. We'll see what happens in two areas. One, does he get employment? Again, not in Texas, obviously. And two, and I guarantee you he's fighting for this right now. He did it from the day he got fired. Does he get his money? Because he's owed five years on a seven-year deal, and it's a lot of money. Danny Z is going to join us when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, I've had enough of, we always pin blame elsewhere. Danny Z joins us. Thank you for joining us. We're going to get into Jimmy Ursay and his comments about Bryce Young. But this Eric Bieniemy thing, I got to tell you, here's my conclusion. I, as a guy that was, Tommy Amaker, myself, Mike Bray, we were all like the hot young assistants. And you had to go interview and you had to sell yourself. I ended up getting the West Virginia job. Amaker ended up getting the uh, Michigan job. Bray got the Notre Dame job. I mean, you had to go sell yourself. Nobody's giving you jobs. At Danny Z, I contend Eric Bieniemy not getting a job as a head coach is on Eric Bieniemy and nobody else. I've had enough. Yeah, I think that's 100% correct. Um, whether you want to look back at you know the past, I've heard from people that the stuff at Colorado was actually quite a bit worse than anyone even really knows. And I bet NFL teams know about that. He had 14 interviews, I think, this cycle. 14 teams sat down and talked to the guy and were like, no, not our guy. I mean, is, is the contention that 14 teams are racist against black head coaches and that's why they didn't hire that that seems in, that's an insane thought to even broach so i'm a hundred percent with you i think teams know that eric uh andy reed is running the show over there i think that's a big problem for him i think his past is a problem for him and who knows i mean the guy must not interview very well because he's had probably dozens of interviews over the past few years and 
almost doesn't even seem to make the second round. If you notice, like it's he's not usually even a finalist. He gets one interview, and it's kind of like now nah, we're moving on with other guys. No, I, you know, and the easiest thing in the world is for old white guys to say racist because then it endears you. Uh, with what's going on in our country. But I think it's crap. And here's the other deal. They just announced a little bit ago, the Washington Commanders did, that they're interviewing Eric Bieniemy for their offensive coordinator job. I mean, the dude is taking a lateral move. You can blame Andy Reid all you want. That's just crap. Andy Reid's trying to win football games. He's not trying to appease. He's winning football games. They don't have drama there. There's nothing wrong with what Andy Reid's doing. No, and so what you're referring to is Stephen A. Smith just unleashed a scorcher of a hot take yesterday, blaming Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid has cost Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job in the National Football League. Even though you're the head coach, you don't have to call plays. You choose to, Smith said. Andy Reid not only called the plays, he made sure we knew he called the plays. The NFL community knew he called the plays. Okay, so let's break down what Stephen A. had to say. First of all, he seems to suggest that Andy Reid, who just won his second Super Bowl, should let Eric Bieniemy call plays just so that he has more responsibility. Okay, that's interesting. Second, he should give him more responsibility so that he can go take a job with another team. Andy Reid should sacrifice his own team to help Eric Bieniemy get a job with another team. So we should put... Eric Bieniemy's feelings, career, future ahead of the current team. Insane. That, that, that's the most ridiculous take I've heard of all the ridiculous takes about Eric Bieniemy. No, I agree with you. You know, look, here's the deal. This is something that we get away from. And I, had, I heard a bunch of idiots today on Get Up talking about Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson shouldn't step on the field until he has a long-term contract. That's fine. But – when you look at this, and I want your opinion on this, Tom Brady, we never really heard about contract negotiations, Tom Brady. We never hear about contract negotiations uh, with Patrick Mahomes. We never hear about contract negotiations uh, until recently with Aaron Rodgers, and he hasn't won crap ever since he started. Peyton Manning, we never heard contract negotiations. Dudes that are into winning, we never hear these contract negotiations. What you do is Andy Reid. I don't give a damn about my assistants getting jobs. I give a damn about my assistants helping us win football games, period, period. Yeah, and I think it can't be understated as well, this idea that Andy Reid should help Eric Bieniemy get a job somewhere else. I mean, what do great teams all have in common? They have continuity. They have the same head. They've had the same quarterback, head coach, and offensive coordinator since Mahomes got into the league. That's a huge reason why the Chiefs' offense is so successful. They've kept it all together. So, yes, that idea that he should help him get a job somewhere else is that's ridiculous. Uh, as far as another point, I, I, I do find it interesting. There are a lot of, you know, quarterback really used to be the position where it was like, it, you're about the team. You never use the word I. It's never me. We've got a lot of me guys playing quarterback these days. And I I, I agree with you. Aaron Rodgers, you know, I, I I put him in that category too. It's always about Aaron Rodgers. It's always what he's doing, how the media is attacking him. He plays the victim. Lamar Jackson, the big time me guy. A lot of these guys that you that you mentioned, the first thing I thought was those are all me guys, everyone. And the guys that you mentioned who we don't hear about, Mahomes, Brady, Manning, never, never, we, never me, never me, never I, always the team. But the first, uh, the first people that Mahomes thanked in his MVP speech, which was a prop bet by the way, was his teammates, not anybody else, his teammates. I. 
I've said this forever. I, I, I said this. I listened to, even in college basketball, it really first hit me what you just said in college basketball. When I was a player at Indiana, I never heard about Bob Knight's contract. 17 years, never heard about a contract. Dean Smith, never heard about a contract. Roy Williams, never heard about a contract. And then all of a sudden, these younger guys come up and you hear about contracts. It's the same thing with quarterbacks. It, it, it really, it, it, you never hear about a contract with the San Francisco 49ers. You know who you do hear about a contract with? The Arizona Cardinals. Guess who's looking for a freaking uh, coach? The Arizona Cardinals. And, okay, the 49ers didn't get to the Super Bowl, but damn. Let me go another route with you. My guy, our guy, the legend, Jimmy Ursay. He comes out and he mentions, you have mock drafts. He mentions Bryce Young. All right? Now, I saw McShay's mock draft. Guess who was number one? Bryce Young to the Colts, right? Uh, did Jimmy Ursay casually mentioning Bryce Young have impact here at all? No, I, I don't think so. I think all anything you hear right now in the middle of this time is mostly subterfuge. Um, you would have more insight on Ursay's mental state than anyone, but I would assume that means he's leaning away from Bryce Young and trying, like, it, it almost seemed too over, right? right? Like, he's trying too hard to convince right. you that that's their guy to change, you know, to, to adjust the price, make the Texans. Maybe he wants the Texans to move up to one. Like, oh, if the Colts want young and we want young we have to move to one because after the texans move up you would have the bears and the cardinals who aren't going to take a quarterback and they would pretty much get whoever they wanted either stroud or levis so no i actually makes me think that they're looking at either stroud or levis and man will levis just looks like a guy the colts would fall in love with he just really does danny z I had a girlfriend in high school. She was cheating on me. And I didn't catch her, but I, you know, I'm like, I really didn't care. A friend of mine gave me a phrase that has lasted me a lifetime because, as you know, I'm no scholar. But a buddy of mine, I, he goes, what's she saying? I said, oh, she said this, this. And he goes, let me give you a Shakespearean phrase. Now, these are two 17-year-olds in Gary, Indiana, right? He's going to give me Shakespeare. She doth protest too much. So I've always used that in the back of my head. Jimmy Ursay saying that, it sounds like he protests too much. I'm with you. I think it's just Jimmy Ursay talking, throwing out a line, but it does tell me that he has paid attention to Bryce Young. If you were going to, in your mock draft, um, two things. One, what do you have the Bears doing? And two, who's your number one quarterback? Bryce Young is the number one quarterback in this draft to me. I just put out uh, my big board, and I have him as the number one overall prospect. Uh, I understand why people have their reservations about him. Uh, he definitely had a down year this year after winning the Heisman. He did lose a lot of offensive weapons, but that's not a great excuse. Although one thing I did point out is that a stat where he improved greatly in this past year was he stopped taking sacks. He took 39 sacks in 2021 during his Heisman campaign and just 18 this season. And that showed an important development in his pocket awareness, which I already believe he has incredible pocket awareness. And this is something that I brought up many times. You can teach quarterbacks, any player, really a lot of things. My favorite example is uh, one of your favorite players, Josh Allen. Josh Allen had terrible throwing mechanics, but the guy understands how to play the quarterback position. He had that innate uh, clock that pocket Jeez, awareness that you look for sorry 
Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Oh, I heard so. I thought you were trying to cut it. Uh, apologies. Anyway, I'll finish with my no, Josh Allen example. No, I know no. you just love people blowing up Josh Allen. Uh, he had he struggled with mechanics. He struggled with accuracy. He took an offseason. He got better at throwing the football, and he improved. But what you can't teach, and this is why I bring up Justin Fields all the time. Justin Fields is a guy who doesn't see – he seems to lack that intuitive knowledge of – clock how to manage the pocket he's a one read maybe two read and then i'm taking off kind of guy bryce young although he's extremely athletic and can run doesn't necessarily look to do that he moves around in the pocket so i think he's got that intuitive ability that you can't teach and that's why i have him slightly above cj stroud who i have as the number two guy um as far as what the bears are going to do i mean i told you last time i i I think they should trade Justin Fields and take Bryce Young. I don't think they will. I think that's way too risky for Ryan Poles. I don't think he has the stones to pull that off. Um, that would be tying way too much to one guy. Basically, his entire career would come down to one move, and I, I just don't think he'll he'll be able to do it. So the safe move for them is to trade down, uh, get what they can get, and then you know take a Will Anderson type. Uh, here's Stephen A. Smith. Let's get reaction. Here's Stephen A. Smith. The boys found it. Which brings me to the point that everyone's failing to make because, and I know we know it's true, we're just hesitant. And I'm not, the word blame is not appropriate here. I'm not saying blame as if it was done intentionally. But when we think about what's holding Eric Bieniemy back most, it's Andy Reid. Andy Reid has cost Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job in the National Football League. We don't want to say it, but it's true. And here's the reason why. Because even though you're the head coach, you don't have to call plays. He chose to. Not all the time. Most of the time it might be Eric B. Enemy. But Andy Reid not only called some plays, he made sure we knew he called plays. The NFL community knew he could call plays. There's plenty of head coaches in the National Football League, Coach Herm Edwards. Mad Dog Russo, you've been covering sports for decades. There's plenty of head coaches in the league that have offensive coordinators that are calling plays. Even when they make a call, you don't hear about it because the offensive coordinator is calling the plays. You might get in his ear and say, I want to see this, I want to see this, I want to see that. But it's their job. Yet somehow in Kansas City, it's convoluted. One minute it's Eric Bieniemy, another minute it's Andy Reid. Well, who's calling and who deserves credit? If you give owners a choice to give credit to somebody, who the hell do you think they're going to give credit to? They're going to give credit to Andy Reid. He's the guy that coached in Philadelphia for 14 years. He's the guy that took them to five NFC Championship games, four straight. He's the, also the guy that failed to win a Super Bowl until Patrick Mahomes was his quarterback and Eric Bieniemy was his offensive coordinator. But they don't see that. What they see is Andy Reid's the head guy. He knows a thing or two about offense. He's called some plays. Andy Reid had to come out years ago, y'all remember this, and highlight how he's allowed Eric Bieniemy to up his stature and to take more control of the offense. He had to go out there on front street and announce That's to enough. the world, I'm not doing what I've had enough. Uh, listen to that idiot. Just I had him on my radio show one time, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And he got mad. He's like, why'd you cut me out? I go, because you, you're just talking. You're not making sense. You're just talking to hear yourself talk. The NFL doesn't know Eric Bieniemy one damn thing. Not one thing. Not one person. Andy Reid, you know what? Eric Bieniemy 
is very highly paid to do what? I don't know, call plays, not call plays, whatever he's paid to do. He's very highly paid. The NFL, Danny Z, doesn't owe Eric Bieniemy one damn thing. He's lucky to be in the league after a domestic violence charge. Let's put it that way. I've had enough. You know what I mean? It's absolutely astounding that following his second Super Bowl title in four years, Stephen Smith decides to do a takedown of Andy Reid's style of coaching. Yeah, it's idiotic. He should give up responsibilities for what? They've, they've been to five consecutive AFC championship games. Look how he pointed out that he went to four consecutive NFC championship games, but, oh, didn't win a Super Bowl until he had Eric Bieniemy. Come on. We really think that's what was holding Andy Reid back? Not having Eric Bieniemy is what stopped him from winning a Super Bowl in Philadelphia? I mean, that honestly, I, of all, like I said, of all, the, of all the quotes we've seen about this situation, that, that one, I, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe he said it out loud. Nah, it's just, it's just so stupid, and it's not even – you just – you can't – I couldn't listen to it anymore. It's just – you know what? As I said, Eric Bieniemy is owed not one damn thing by anybody in the NFL. Nothing. Not owed a job. He's lucky he has a job given his domestic violence. That's it. Danny Z, you brought it. As always, I appreciate you. Thanks, Dan. I'm telling you, I'm glad he brought that Stephen A. Smith deal up. I didn't see it, but I did. I had Smith on my show one time, and he was complaining, like, well, I didn't get a chance to talk to the Pacers. He talked about stupid stuff. And truthfully, if you listen to Stephen A., he doesn't know anything about basketball. It's just ridiculous to me. It, it, it is just absolutely – I get it. We all got to cater. We all got to pander in certain ways. I understand it. We all got to pander. And if you don't pander, you're a racist. And if you don't give in, you're a racist. And if Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a job, you're a racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NFL doesn't owe anybody anything. They don't owe Lamar Jackson a massive contract unless they want to get it. They don't owe Aaron Rodgers a trade. They don't owe nobody nothing. It is a freaking business. It's a business that the coaches, the general managers, the players should be about one thing, winning. Two things, winning, and and the owners should be about making money. If you really want to know, that's what the NFL should be. It should not be this crap where, well, we got to get 13% of our coaches African-American. And if Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job, then everybody and their mother is racist. Hey, don't, don't, don't commit domestic violence. It's simple. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I got people on my ass because I said Chris Beard's situation is complicated. It's very complicated. It's very, very complicated. Yes, I saw the police report. Yes, it sucks. No, I would not want my daughter dating him. But the whole situation is complicated. Now does Texas pay him? Do they not pay him? Is he cleared? I don't think he is. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I just, it just wears me out. It does. It just wears me out. Dan, in radio and TV broadcasts, it's well known that a sports talk show host is the lowest form of talent there is. That could be Cosmic Connection. That could be. But I got to tell you, in my time as a talk show host, I have been able, we have been able to impact more people than I ever could as a freaking coach. I impacted thousands with an anti-tobacco campaign. We've given almost a thousand bikes now to kids. So I get it. You can say that. And I get it. People like Stephen A. Smith represent that. But man, oh man, I got to tell you, 
in this particular job, we've done so much good that I have a hard time believing that this occupation is bad. So you believe whatever it is that you believe. All right? I'm just saying. You do you. Uh, Rob Dibble is going to join. You know baseball's got all these crazy rules. And Dibble doesn't like it, but Dibble's biggest problem is not the rules. All right, last thing. I'm going to give you a local minute here, Indiana fans. Stop bitching about the officiating. Purdue, Indiana, just stop it. Just stop it. You know, Trey Galloway is a strong kid. If Trey Galloway had better balance on the last shot, Trey Galloway would have impacted the shot. Would the kid have missed a shot? I don't know. But it wasn't a push-off that beat Indiana. And if it was a push-off, good for Boo Booey. He got away with it. Good for Michael Jordan pushing off Byron Russell. If you get away with it, good for you. But Mike Woodson and whoever the idiotic assistant was that got technical fouls costing him four points in the first half was as much as anything. And you got to give Northwestern credit. Last thing. Anybody that believes that anybody is ever intimidated by the Northwestern student section is a stone idiot. There's articles with our beloved indie star. North, they're nasty, they're mean, they're rude. So what? Good. They yelled DUI at Mason Gillis. Hey, Mason Gillis, don't get a DUI. Indiana fans are dropping F-bombs on other teams, and the idiots here with the indie star are applauding that. I sat there and I listened to Indiana fans, F-Ohio, and I thought to myself, this sucks. Indiana's just like every other school, so I don't want to hear from anybody about any other fan base. Indiana fan base, my ass. You guys are just like Cincinnati or Tulane or any of these other places when your greatest chant is F Ohio, F Purdue. I mean, what are we, Ivy Tech? Just stop it. Just stop it right now. Jeez. Man, oh man. All right, uh, we will be back with the great Rob Dibble joining us. I got a bunch of rule changes. You know about all these rule changes in baseball? It's insanity. Dibbs is going to bring it. You know he will when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. I love talking to this man. I do. I love talking to Rob Dibble because, you know, when we talk to Rob Dibble, we're going to get it straight. Major League Baseball pitchers, catchers, all that kind of stuff. I was texting with Tucker Barnhart, the new catcher of the Cubs. Can't tell you how he excited he is. Dibs, special time of year. People get excited. It means springtime's around. This time of year, do you miss it or did you dislike spring training so much? You're like, thank God I don't have to go. Oh, no, I loved it so much, Dan, and thanks for having me on. Um, I'd be down there in January. I went to school at a small Division II school called Florida Southern. And I would go down there probably in January at the end of the month, um, get acclimated with Florida as I spent 12 of my 13 years uh, pros in Florida in spring training and, and then be ready for spring training to come at the end of February. And even when I was in the minor league, we'd start a week after the big leaguers um, and they would use our field and I would watch them and see what they were doing. So I, I no, I, I do miss it. That's why I'm coaching like seven travel teams right now. And, uh, you know, college teams start their, their seasons this week. So this is the best time of the year once the Super Bowl's over. I agree. 
I, I, I absolutely love it. I love, uh, you know, the, I, I, I don't even mind the NBA playoff. I want to get to this. I want to get to the new rules in baseball. Um, I'm going to go pitching first. 15 seconds with bases empty, 20 seconds with base runners on. Hitter gets one timeout per plate appearance. You know, you got to be in the box eight seconds, two pickoff attempts. Um, give me your thoughts on, on these new rules relative to what we're seeing in pitching. Will it affect anything? No, it won't because it's idiotic. You're, you're taught, and I teach this at the little league level, and I'm saying little league very loud, that you pitch in a, in a certain manner a timely manner so that your infield stays ready to play defense, your outfield plays defense, they're ready. It's like basketball. You know how you're telling guys to get their hands up and, you know, be on the balls of your feet and bouncing around? Well, that's baseball. I always tell my infielders, I scream at them, I don't care if they're 8 or 18, that you got to move your feet before every pitch. And so to, to say to a pitcher, uh, you know, work, you know, in, in, a, in a timely fashion so that there'll be more action. I heard what Theo Epstein said. It was idiotic. You know, he's working for Rob Manford, who doesn't love baseball like we do. Um, and, and he's uh, apologized for being an analytics nerd. And, you know, he doesn't need to apologize. I think the game's fine. I think you can have analytics. You can have uh, old school mentality. It all works. But when you start hating on the game and saying we need a pitch clock, uh, we need the pitchers to work faster, you know what's going to happen? Guys are going to throw less strikes. And there's going to be less action. So you want guys to be ready. You want them to concentrate, but you want them to keep their defense involved. So people who don't know baseball think the pitchers are taking their time out there. They think the batters are taking their time out there. They, they don't watch baseball. The commissioner has already admitted to, I don't watch baseball. I don't like baseball. I think the trophy is a hunk of metal. I mean, you've got to get a commissioner that understands the game, maybe coached the game, maybe played the game, and understand that pitchers are already taught if, they, if they're taught by any kind of qualified teacher, coach, that you work in a timely manner to keep your defense in the game. You know, honest to God, Dibs, I played slow-pitch softball. Like, and we would tell our freaking pitcher in that, let's go, let's go. Why, why are you grabbing dirt? You know, because you fall asleep. The human mind will wander, right. Dibs, so I get exactly what you're saying. I just talked to Jim Penders, one of the best coaches in the in the country from UConn. They start the season Friday by, against Ohio State, by the way. So you and I should put something on that game. Uh, anyway, um, he was. We, I asked him that question. So they're they're doing a twenty second clock in college this year, but they're not they're not changing the shift. Um, but he said, "Listen, he goes, I, our numbers don't jive with the big league numbers, um, so we don't shift that often." You know, our pitchers just pitch. Every pitcher's different. And I love the answer that he gave me because every pitcher is different. Are you going to shift all the time when a guy throws 85 and shift the same way as a guy who throws 95? That doesn't make sense. So, you know, shifting is great if these guys put the ball in place. That's the number one problem, Dan. These guys are hitting 200. They don't put the ball in, in play. When they do, they're like, oh, he squared it up on the barrel. That's, that's the point, isn't it? In wiffle ball, you got to hit it with the bat, right? I mean, the things I hear out of analysts' mouths, it, it's like, it, it's the same thing in basketball. When a guy comes off the bench and it's like, oh, yeah, it, 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 I hope he can hit these foul shots. I hope he can hit these foul shots. He shot 100,000 foul shots. He better be able to hit it. I used to love when they said that about Ray Allen, one of the greatest shooter, shooters of all time. Oh, uh, you know what? He, I, I hope he can hit these two foul shots to win the game. 
Yeah, I think he thinks he can make them. So it's the same thing with baseball, man. It, it's these guys are now going back away from the launch angle because they're they're losing their job. They're hitting 200, 180, Bellinger, all these other guys. Yeah, that's a softball swing. I played slow pitch softball too. I can hit a ball 400 feet. When you throw it with a 12-foot arc or 12-inch arc or whatever, I, I mean, you know, to me, it's just get back to basics and fundamentals, bunt guys over, steal bases. I mean, you made bigger bases so guys will steal more. How about you take those stupid Betty Crocker oven mitts off of them? That's four inches on the tip of their fingers. So that's helping them get to the base quicker. I mean, the, the things that they say are so insane that it just, it's, it's laughable because I, I see what's going on with the game right now. They want it to be more like a video game. They, they don't want it to be – they want to have a ghost runner so we could get in and get out. We don't want to play 15 innings. How about the hard-earned money that these, these fans pay? I've never heard a fan once complain that the game went extra innings. The only people that complain are, are the networks because now the commercials aren't getting paid for. You know, it, those, those commercials are free to run. So I, I just – I understand it. You understand it. But, uh, you know, trying to get the passive fan – to love baseball because the commissioner doesn't love baseball is pretty sad. What would you do? Like, you mentioned the commissioner, and every time I've talked to you, you have mentioned him. Um, why is he still the commissioner? Because they're making money hand over fist. It's, 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 fist. it's just like Roger Goodell. Why is he the commissioner? The fans don't like him. The players don't like him. But, you know, when they're making money and he's closing these TV deals and they're, they're just they're drowning in the, in the dollars, it's, it's crazy. And just look at some of the ridiculous baseball contracts that are going out there. How about the football contract? It's insane. Now you're guaranteeing a Deshaun Watson's $230 million bucks. Yeah, that's, that's To me, the, the sports have gotten out of whack. And so you need a commissioner that's like, listen, guys, we're just going to play baseball. We're going to put a good product on the field. We're going to grow it in the inner cities, and we're going to get the African American kids to play again. Um, we're not. We're not going to do all this garbage. We're not. We're not. It's. It's that you're. You're. You're nitpicking when there's a giant picture. You're losing a whole generation of kids and fans that, because you're. You're messing with something that didn't need to be messed with. So yeah, the bases are a little bit bigger. Big deal. I play softball. We have two bases on the first baseline, so you don't step on the first base. Are we going to go to that? I mean, you know, what, what's next? What other things? Robo-umps. I mean, it, you know, it, it's just it's disturbing that there's a guy that is, is putting down the sport that runs the sport. Well, there's not enough action. There's never been enough action. But that's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of baseball because you have to pay attention. It could go three hours. It could go two hours. It could be a perfect game, 27, up, 27 down. Um, I was just reading this whole thing about Babe Ruth when he finally, the last time he pitched for Boston – he got thrown out of the game in the first inning, got suspended for 10 days. And uh, the guy that came in, 26 up, 26 down. And for 90 years, they considered that a perfect game until they changed it in 1991. So, listen, baseball is fine. There's nothing wrong with the sport. The kids love it. There's not one kid that comes into my, my batting cage that, that is saying, you know what, I, I need a, a, a bigger ball or I need a bigger bat so I can hit the ball. No, if you teach them right, they'll love the game. Dibs, I am so with you on this. Um, it, here in Indianapolis, uh, there are so many facilities for kids, and they're packed 
like, I mean, packed, batting cages, yep. inside, indoor facility. I mean, they, you know, it, it, it's a myth. Let me go to some specific things. You're a pitcher, and I want to stay with that for a minute before I get to the shift. I got two step-off or pick-off throws. See, I, look, if you want to go to timing, I, I don't care. But those things, to me, impact how you play the game. The, the, I, want to, I want to pick a guy off on the third move. I want to hold on to the ball as a pitcher to stifle right. a guy. I, I, that, and the robo-ump thing, it drives me nuts because I want argument. I want human element, yep. Dibs. Those two things impact more. Couldn't agree with you more. Listen, you know, when, when I was coming up through the minor league, you never show your good move till you're actually trying to pick the guy off. A lot right. of times we would throw over just, just to make the guy kind of wear him out a little bit, make him dive back, especially – the, the Ricky Hendersons, the Brett Butlers, the, the Vince Coleman, the Willie McGee's, the guys of speed, uh, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is going to steal second anyway, no matter what we tried to do. It didn't matter. But you try to pick him off, like Jose Rijo had a great move, way better than mine, and he wouldn't show you the, the move until he wanted to actually try to pick the guy off. But a lot of it was smoke and mirrors, and that's, that's the gamesmanship. That's what baseball is all about. So uh, let me give you me coaching my 17U team. And trust me, a lot of my kids are overweight and out of shape. That's another problem. That's a society problem, um, not a me problem. But I try to find a count in, in the at-bat, and I don't care if you're the, the slowest kid on my team. You can steal bases if you get a good lead that I teach them and then go on a breaking ball pitch that could be in the dirt, and then the catcher comes up. And most catchers at 18-year-old baseball or 17-year-old baseball, Dan, aren't fundamentally sound and can't throw anybody out. And if they do, that's on me. But we're going to keep running. Then we're going to steal third because third's easier to steal than second. All you got to do is, as soon as that pitcher lifts his leg, is go and sprint for third. So I've been in almost, in three straight years, I've been in almost every level uh, of championship game because we score runs. We we run the bases. That's what they're taught to do. And the the parents will come up and say, oh, man, you love to run. I'm like, no, I love to score. That's the point. I got to get them to third. I got. I got to get them home with one out and a fly ball or or a bunt. I mean, my God, it's it's pretty simplistic stuff. So saying the guy can throw over twice and we're going to steal, let's let's now we can pitch out on the third time. We can do all kinds of stuff to to uh, you know get you out. So I mean, listen, they're they're trying to get more action out of guys that aren't fundamentally sound. They can't put the ball in play. So how, what are you going to do? Steal first? They've talked about that. Well, if you get the third strike, you could sprint the first and try to steal. For, I mean, how insane is some of the, these thoughts? How, <laughs> are they drinking? Are they eating edibles? I mean, it, you know, think about stealing first. I mean, that's, that's from people that don't know or love the sport, and it's, it's disturbing. You mentioned the shift earlier. For people that don't know, two infielders must be positioned on either side of second base uh, <laughs> when the ball is released. Um, all four must have their feet within the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber, that kind of thing. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you've had hysteric, uh, historically low batting averages, the lowest in 100 years, uh, below 245 at the major league level. Um, does it matter if they shift? These guys can't put the ball in play. They can't hit it the opposite way. Try to beat the shift. They, they're too stubborn or too selfish. So putting guys on both sides of the infield, I, I think, makes it easier on the pitchers. I don't, I don't have to now look in my hat or 
look on my wrist for some kind of play because we have this shift on and uh, all these different numbers and stuff. I mean, I, I'm I'm a pitcher. I'm a, I'm I'm a guy that listen. I I threw upper 90s with a great breaking ball, and you weren't hitting it anyway. And if you hit it, I had great fielders wherever the hell they were. They were going to catch it. I had a Hall of Fame shortstop. I had a Hall of Fame center fielder. If you hadn't gotten hurt, Eric Davis is in the Hall of Fame. Paul O'Neill's in right, five-time world champion. I got guys like that all over the place. I'm not worried about if the ball gets hit play on my mistake. It's getting caught. So, yeah, you can have one guy on, on each side of the base, and I'll put the other guys in the outfield. I'll still beat you. I'll figure it out. But, yeah, yeah, Rob Manfred with the uh, no shift, that's going to change. That's going to revolutionize baseball. I think it's going to bring it back to – uh, the batting averages go down. We'll, we'll talk about this at the All-Star break and ask me again. If, if they're still hitting 240 at the major league level, it's not the shift. It's these guys at the plate that, that don't put, put balls in play. You know, that's a fundamental issue in base. used to be, and I don't know, you know, the used to be, when you start a sentence like used to be, people kind of tune out. Two strikes, you shortened up, you went the other way. Striking out, you know, used to be a dominant thing by a pitcher. When did it start that it's either a home run, strikeout? Because I I, I still see teams that win doing things that have always worked in baseball to score runs, Dibs. When analytics people got involved, this is the only part of analytics I I don't appreciate. They act like they invented on-base percentage and the OPS, which is slugging and on-base percentage, uh, added together. Oh, that was a good one ESPN and Elias Sports Bureau came up with. Um, yeah, listen, the point is to get on base and score runs. If you have to bunt, if you have to get hit by a pitch, <clears throat> if you have to draw a walk, <clears throat> that's all part of the game. That's what you're there for. You want to speed up the game? Go up there like a softball count with one ball and one strike, and we'll see how, <laughs> how hitting changes. You know, I mean, that's what moves softball games around. All of my travel, all my AAU games are either an hour and 45 and the game's over, or it's two hours and it's over. So, because you've got so much baseball being played. We we go go to tournaments all the time. We play five games in two days. Every guy, Dan, on my teams from eight years old to 18, I'm doing bullpens. It'll take me six hours to do bullpens this Sunday with my teams. Um, because the eight-year-olds throw with the all the way up to 18, and it, you know I, I've got these guys like spring training because when we go to a tournament, every guy has to contribute at least an inning, or we're not going to get through the the tournament. And these are seven-inning games, so you know to make it seem like uh, you know you're you're revolutionizing the game by you know swinging for the fences. No, you're making it easier, it's making my job easier if I'm a pitcher. Right. Go ahead, keep swinging. I'll keep right. throwing in dirt. I mean, it's, it's insane. Bunt the ball with two strikes. You could do that. Mickey Mantle bunted once every series he played against the team to keep them honest, meaning bring in the, the infield so I could smash a single through the infield. I mean, it, use your head. Figure it out. It's not that difficult. Dibs, did anything happen uh, in the offseason in terms of player movement that has a real impact on who plays in the World Series or, or a real impact on the sport? I think the real impact is the WBC. I think it's garbage. Um, speeding up everybody. Could you imagine if you told the NBA to do this or the NHL or the NFL? Hey, you got you to gotta put, put your uh, timetable up a month 
to get ready. You've already seen Frankie Montas blow out his shoulder, so he's done for the year for the Yankees. You've got uh, Nestor Cortez has a bad hamstring. They don't know when he's going to be ready. Uh, Steven Strasburg's already hurt again. I, I, I mean, you name it, these guys trying to get ready quicker for spring training is the worst thing to happen. So movement, no. Attrition, yes. These, these guys, you got to try to keep them healthy. And so try, trying to play a tournament on top of a major league season where you have 162 games, then you have more teams in the postseason. It's just it's, it's insane, Dan. They, these, these guys are getting hurt at a record rate, yet they're, they have these pitch counts, and they, they can only they throw you know a certain amount of pitches by the fifth inning and they're out of the game. We've got eight guys in the bullpen. We've got 13 pitchers on the squad. We used to have 10. We got by just fine with 10 pitchers. What, you know, back back when they had four guys in the rotation. Now you're talking about Mike Mike Waka just joined the team. They got we're going to have a six man rotation. Good luck with that because they're not going to get enough work, and then you're going to hurt guys again. So I, I just think you know guys that keep overthinking this stuff and over nerding this stuff are killing the game. So no, a lot of the movement is great. Um, the Grom's already hurt. You know, 185 million for that guy yeah. who was often hurt. Pitched I think one year, 13 games. Another year, 12 games, and he's bitching at the Mets. Why didn't you re-sign me? Dude, because you're not healthy. You're, you're not, you can't keep yourself on the field. The best ability is availability. And some of these cats, they, they, they're, they're cashing checks, but they're not playing baseball. So, yeah, I think the Padres did a great job. Uh, I think the Mariners did a great job. I, I, I just think some of these teams want to win. I think the Reds didn't do a good job because they don't want to spend money. I think there's a lot of teams like the Pirates and the Reds that are just nickel and diamond, getting a few names so you'll come to the ball games. But it'll it'll still be the same ten teams in the postseason this year that you saw last year. Maybe one or two new ones, but baseball is stuck with teams spending. I mean, look, I love Steve Cohen. I, I know people hate him. Three hundred thirty million dollars on one year payroll. If you're a Mets fan, you got to be psyched. That that guy cares, and he's putting his money where his mouth is. That's good for the game. Hey, last thing, I'm always much smarter people than me make these decisions. So I'm sure there's a financial reason. But we're, we're seeing now that the regional networks, this Diamond Sports is going to go bankrupt. Maybe they, they, they missed a payment. Yep. I, you know, I tried to get the Major League Baseball package uh, so that before Marquee Network came in so I could get the Cubs and the White Sox and the Reds. And they were blacked out on the Major League package. And I live in Indy. Dibs, is there an impact on fans with what's going on with the regional networks? 100%. 100%. You'll tune, you'll tune into something else. You'll, what you'll find is I'm going to go to minor league games. I'm, I'm going to go to college games. I'm going to go to the Cape Cod League games. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about Major League Baseball. If I can't get it on local TV and you get, you're making me pay for it or stream for it, I mean, you know, again, this is a guy, a commissioner that's only about the money. And, and the payment's $140 bucks. So, you know, not being able to meet your payments, it kind of sounds like the Mets and the Wilpons, where Major League Baseball helped them pay their bills back in the day. Um, listen, it's sad because um, I, I, I agree with what George Steinbrenner used to say, Dan, that why should he have to pay for these other networks and these other teams when, yeah, I started the Yes Network, Ted Turner and TBS, uh, WGN that started it all, um, you know, they, they wanted their fans to be able to get the game every day and didn't have to pay for it. They would do it through advertising. So I just think it's greed. 
And again, it's going to bite you in the butt because there's going to be a bunch of people that don't want to watch. Their, their attendance is already down. You know, they don't give away tickets. How about this? You give away tickets to kids uh, like they do in the minor leagues on weekday games. You, you do some school-type stuff on the scoreboard. You keep the kids involved, and they'll want to come back. You know, but, but, but to, you know, to black out games, God, I feel like we're in the NFL. I feel like he's copying a, a format that's 20 years old. So yeah, it's, it's only going to affect the fan base. Um, it's not going to hurt the players' salaries. It's not going to hurt these owners making billions. Um, it's just going to hurt these people wanting to watch baseball. If they can't find it, they're going to go do something else. There's no doubt. There, there is no doubt. I mean, look, it's not like, you know, back in when I was a kid, I had to run home and get, catch WGN and hope the White Sox were on Channel 44 in Chicago. I mean, yep. and, and there was nothing else on except Saturday afternoon. Now, hell, I can do anything I want. Dibs, thanks, man. I really appreciate Awesome stuff. I got all these people on these different chats who are like, bring Dibble on every day. He's the best. Thanks, Dibs. All right, man. God bless. Take care, Dan. Hey. Hey, hold on. Are you in the Reds Hall of Fame yet? Oh, hell no. But you know what? They put uh, Graves and uh, Bronson Arroyo in there. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Good luck. I... Good luck with See that. See you, Gibbs. Thank you. How do they not put Rob right, Dibble care, in, the, in the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Freaking Frame? Thank you, Rob Dibble. How great is he, take, man? Take care, brother. Honest to God. He's so smart. Uh, and he studies it, and he loves it. See, I like talking to people that love the sport. We're going to do that with Fran Fraschella coming up here in a moment to talk college basketball. He loves it. He eats it. He can't get enough of it. Joe Mazzula, former West Virginia player, has been named the 19th head coach of the Boston Celtics. Remember what happened with Emi Adoka, who was stupid? He was stupid, right? He was giving it. Yeah, he was engaged, and he started having the sex with somebody in-house. And, you know, in the world we live in, you can't have the sex in the workplace. Uh, Next thing you know, he's out. Joe Mazzula gets elevated. Joe Mazzula's doing a good job. And now I'm sure, I'm not watching, but Stephen A. Smith and Jay Will are out here, and I'm sure Adoka got screwed, uh, and there's some racial element to it. But good for Joe Mazzula. Joe Mazzula is considered one of the all-time great guys that ever played college basketball. He was a terrific guard at West Virginia when John Beeline was rebuilding West Virginia uh, after I cost him two national championships by saying, adios, ski-daddle, we gone, we out, we done. When they threatened my wife and I, they did, they threatened my wife and I, a guy named Dave Hardesty, who was the president, smacked the desk and pointed at my wife and said, we will destroy you. I'm like, whoa. So I left. Beeline came in 10 days later. Joe Mazzula played for him and was terrific. And long story short, next thing you know, here we go. Joe Mazzula ends up as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Good things happening to good people. Emi Adoka, I'm sure it's racist. I'm sure, my God, blah, blah, blah. Hey, look, uh, it ain't nothing. The NBA doesn't know Emi Adoka one damn thing. Not one thing. Nothing. Zero. The NFL does not owe, not even a little bit, do they owe freaking uh, Eric Bieniemy anything. 
Nobody in that league owes anybody anything. Nobody owes Lamar Jackson anything. Hey, look, it's a business. You're in it. You make your money. You set your legacy. You get out. Great. But nobody owes you a damn thing. Oh, man, Eric Bieniemy's black. We got to hire him. Uh Uh-uh. That ain't what I'm doing. Hey, Eric Bieniemy's the best candidate for the job. I'm hiring him. That's what I'm doing. I'll do all your hoops and jump throughs and who I got to interview and who I don't have to, but I don't give a daggone if you're white, black, gray. I don't care. I'm trying to win because you know what happens? Here's what happens. You get all anxious about hiring to check boxes, a diversity hire, and it doesn't work out. You don't win games, you get fired. Let me tell you something else that happens. You don't worry about a diversity hire. You worry about getting the best guy. If it don't work out and you don't win games, you get fired. The only way you keep your job in professional and collegiate sports is to win. So you set yourself up the best you possibly can to win. Maybe you lose a press conference. Maybe there's an article in the USA Today by some little writer. Maybe some white media guys get mad at you. I don't give a damn. Who helps me win? Period. I tell you who knows about that, the great Fran Frischella. Franny knows about it. We're going to get into some college hoops. Who's the best team in the damn country? Who is somebody that you would bet the farm on as we move toward? You know, we're going to be like three weeks away from Selection Sunday coming up here. You know, Tourney Week or whatever they call it, Champ Week, whatever it's called, is coming up. I'm telling you, two guys, Seth Greenberg, Fran Frischella, when they talk hoops, I listen. They're smart. They coach. They've been at every level of hoops. Franny next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I've said this before. I'll say this again. And I don't care whether anybody wants to listen to me about this or not. If you haven't played or you haven't coached basketball, I don't listen to you. I'm just telling you. Now, football, maybe I'll listen to a writer. But basketball, I spent too many years sitting in a film room with Bob Knight, learning, discussing, working on basketball to listen to somebody that has never played nor has ever coached. The playing thing is starting to shorten up as well. But when Fran Frischella and Seth Greenberg – come on my television and are doing games, I listen. Two reasons. One, they know what they're talking about from all levels. And two, they have an incredible passion for the game of basketball. Like you heard Rob Dibble earlier. You hear the passion. Whenever you see Franny, you see, you hear the passion. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Vital, same thing, man. Like, Fran joins us. Hey, last night, you know what's great about college hoops? It's Wednesday night, middle of February. I got nothing to do. I turn on Tennessee and Alabama. We got crazy. I turn on Indiana, Northwestern. People are rushing to court. College hoops delivers every night, big boy. It just does every night. You know, you know what, you know what I love about my job, Dan. I was, I'm home in Colorado Springs. It's snowing here. And I'm in my house, and I tell my wife, I got to go to work tonight. I got to watch. I got to watch. I got to watch Iowa State, whoever they play TCU last night. I got to watch my man Chris Collins, 
uh, hang on for dear life. That was unbelievable. And uh, I, I was working. I was working. That's my job. Right. My job is my job is to watch college basketball. You and I have not had a job, a real job, since we left college. Is that amazing? No. It's no. unbelievable. Man. No, I was I, standing. I love, I, I, I love what I do. I was standing on a bluff on the golf course. It was one of those who doesn't belong in this picture moment. It was me, Jim Beheim, <laughs> Roy Williams, and Bill Self playing golf on a Nike trip. So, you know, who doesn't belong in that picture, right? And I looked at him. I go, fellas, I know, you know, you guys have had these unbelievable. But look at where basketball has taken us, right here in Hawaii yeah. on a cliff playing golf. Come but if on. I remember, if, if I remember the, the story correctly, I remember the story correctly. Uh, Bill Self said, how the hell did you guard Jordan? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, hey, it's all good. Fran, all good. Let me, let me go this route with you. You know, yeah. we're, we're three or four weeks away from Selection Sunday. You, you can't yep. discount Kansas. We saw Kentucky come back, you know, and play pretty well. Indiana, even though they lost, they've won seven of their last nine. Purdue, Alabama gets beat. Who do you like? Like, who do you really like? Is there two or three teams? Is there more? Is there less that you really like? Like, look, this is the team I like to win a championship. You know, Dan, honestly, this is one of those years, and it's the culmination of two years of COVID, uh, extra years, you know, that uh, fifth year, and the transfer portal, whereas I look down my Ken Palm numbers, as I'm doing right now, I could make a case for 20 teams. I, I mean that. Like, I'll give you an example. TCU is on a, on a string of bad losses here in, a, in, a, in, I think, the toughest league in the country. When they, and they, they, they're without Pat Mahomes, okay? Mike Miles Jr. was the Big 12 preseason player of the year. He is out probably until Saturday. It was a hyperextension. He's coming back. Before he got hurt, Dan – I'm telling you, TCU, you could make the argument that they could be a, an Elite Eight Final Four team. The reason I mention them is because they hit a, they hit a, they hit a schneid here without their best player. Yeah. As, I look, as I go down from Houston, I look at Indiana, I look at San Diego State, I look at Gonzaga and Arizona, I can make a case for a lot of teams getting in the Final Four. Let me give you a couple that I've caught my eye since November, okay? There's something about Shaka Smart and Marquette's team, okay? I really like them. They got bigs. They have a great point guard. If your listeners haven't heard of Tyler Kolick, he's a kid from Cumberland, Rhode Island. He's not going to probably play in the NBA, although T.J. McConnell proved me wrong because they're similar. I love their team. That's that's the kind of team, you know. Uh, in, in the Big 12, um, I don't know if I like Texas as much. Kansas is still going to be there. Baylor kind of was left by the side of the road a few weeks ago. Now they got everyday John back and they have the best guards in the country. Virginia's got a good team. I, I just, I like college basketball this year. I like 25 teams. You know, I'm going to go back to our, our guy, Chris Collins. So, yep. you know, he takes North, he, he takes Northwestern to the tournament, which in my world growing up and you grew up in that league, should give uh -huh. him statue status. Well, all right, things don't go great. The AD puts some heat on him. He loses Pete Nance to North Carolina. And yeah. all the dude is doing is using a backcourt, a bunch of badasses, a lot of adrenaline. 
It's, I want you to talk about this because you and I both did this. It's hard coaching when your job is on the line and you know it. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well, first of all, I'm not going to disparage Pete Nance, who's a good player. He's probably a great kid, you know, the Nance family, Cleveland, the whole deal. And then don't forget, Ryan Young has been a mostly starter for Duke. And this is the perfect example of addition by subtraction. Now, sometimes it's a character-based deal, and sometimes it's we're better playing a certain way. And to your point, I, that Chase Audige, they're, they're, he might be the best defensive guard in the country. You know, that kid is a killer. The backcourt is terrific. I mean, Boo Booey, was that a great end of the game? No timeout. Give him the ball. Get the hell out of the way. And then he has to make a tough shot. It wasn't an easy shot. And, and I love what Chris is doing. I know Doug is happy because Doug wears every game on his sleeve. You and I know Doug Collins is as competitive as there is, one of the greatest players ever. Um, but I love the fact that when you think they were going to stink because they lost these two guys, by the way, to the two Blue Bloods, okay? They didn't just transfer out of there. They're starters on Blue Bloods, who, by the way, aren't having great years. Um, and then for them to have the chemistry, the toughness, um, the just the the fortitude, and then last night to lose a 19 point lead. You and I both know Northwestern's supposed to lose that game in the past. Good win for Chris Collins. Uh, I have it on good authority, in fact, the authority that Doug, former <laughs> Illinois State legend, Redbird, courts named after him, takes two or three <laughs> beers and goes to church. <laughs> During the games of Northwestern, sits in a pew with a couple of beer. <laughs> hey, I can. Hey, Dan, I can verify that because if you ever get a text from Doug, and this is one of the reasons I love the man, because you think of it, you think of him as a hard charging, beer drinking, old school '70s NBA star. I always get the little cross in the prayers on his text. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes. the the, the yes. man covers it all. You know. He covers it all. He, <laughs> he got it all covered. And, uh, you know, sometimes a good Lord comes through. And last night he did for the Wildcats. That that was really fun. You just love those stories in college hoop. You do. Um, also last night, Tennessee, uh, Alabama. Alabama elevates yeah. to number one. Nate Oates was feeling himself. Kind of calls yeah. out Auburn after a <laughs> – right? And next thing you know, they go in. Fran, I I said this. You and I have been on both ends of this. There are some times you walk into a gym and you ain't beating that team at that gym. And sometimes you know in your own gym, somebody they ain't beating us tonight in this gym. It felt that way last night at Rocky Top. Well, you know what? This is what I call the psychology of the schedule, okay? Because everybody says like, uh, well, you know, oh, Tennessee's in trouble. They lost the last two. But in reality, Alabama was in trouble. Tennessee was without two good players. You know, they were without Josiah James and then their outstanding freshman, Jordan Phillips. They obviously have a deep team. Ironically enough, I worked for Rick Barnes, and I got a call from him three hours before the game, not knowing they were playing. And I said, when are you playing next? He goes, oh, we got Alabama here in a couple hours. I was like, okay. Well, what are you talking (laughs) to me for? But I think he just wanted to relax. You know how that is, you know. Uh, But this is the point. Sometimes a team loses a game and they win their next four and some some fan will say, oh, they could have had a five-game winning streak. No, 
The reason they won the next four is because they lost that game. And that's why I didn't know what the line was. I bet Tennessee was favored. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't. Okay. I don't know. I, 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 I would have taken yeah, if I, I was a betting were. man. I would have taken yeah. Tennessee because because you knew they yeah. had their backs to the wall. That's the point. Yeah. No. You, that's you how know, the season. And, goes. and to your point, like to, to your point, you know, they lost two games. Same kid misses free throws. Buzzer beaters. Um, and again, it's just a freaking Wednesday night and, and you had yeah. that, that kind of action. What makes, I want to talk about Rick Barnes for just a second. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I always said this to Roy Williams. Um, and I say this about Rick Barnes at Indiana. When I was with Bob Knight, we made everything hard, Fran, like everything yeah. was hard. I always said, North Carolina Made everything look easy. Ah, we show up. We went. Rick Barnes just makes it look easy. He's going to call you, you know, three hours before the game. Three hours before the game, Coach Knight was trying to find a reporter to punch out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, Rick Barnes just makes it look easy, man. He does. Well, he matured. Let me tell you something. I was there. I was there in his early 30s. I was in my 20s. He's matured because, and you know, Coach Knight took an affinity to Coach Barnes. First of all, he's a great human being. He really is. Rick Barnes is as good a person as you'll meet. He's a religious guy. He's cleaned up his language, he's told me, and I've, I've got that on authority in the last 10, 15 years. Doesn't diminish the fact that he's a great guy. Um, he's, he has passion. Uh, he has a high standard. Their defense is always rock solid. Kids love playing for him. Um, he's just a compassionate guy. You know, in a sport that that's not always a strength. And when you look at that Tennessee team, yeah, they lost two buzzer beaters, two fluky uh, losses, but um, they got enough depth, talent, defense uh, to be one of those teams I talked about, one of 15 to 20 teams that could get to a Final Four. How good is Alabama? They're really talented, and I think Nate does a great job. I saw them early in the year. Um, the thing I worry about with Alabama is just you got three freshmen in your top six, and not that they're not great players. They'll all likely play in the NBA. By the way, Brandon Miller is really good. He reminds me of Paul George, but this kid, Noah Clowney, the big kid, 6'10", he's only 18 years old. He's not turning 19 till May. He's like To me, he's like a young Horace Grant. But having said that, the thing that worries me is that, yeah, they have some veterans, but they're relying on freshmen so much that um, they can get goofy, you know, freshmen get goofy. Uh, and we don't know how they'll react when they get to uh, the NCAA tournament. But on paper, talent-wise, Nate's got, a, a you know, as good a team as there is in the country. Uh, I want to get the coaching psychology here. There has been a yes. lot made by Matt Painter and Purdue about how Zach Eady is being officiated. Even broadcasts are now saying, well, it's just impossible to officiate a guy. Yeah. Is yeah. there a point where Matt needs to be quiet on this? Is there not a point? Does he need to keep pushing this? Where, where are you at with that type of psychology? Well, that's a great question. We know guys who complain about every call in every game. And Matt, I think, has the benefit of the doubt from officials because he's a, you know, he's a statesman. You know, I'd call Matt, a, Matt Painter's a statesman for our game. I do think he's setting up, I think what he's doing is, and it's not, it's not, 
it's not necessarily by design. I do think that he's probably frustrated with the fact that, like, I always say this. Remember when you went to a high school game to see a 6'9 kid and he gets three fouls in the first four minutes of the game? And I always used to say, don't penalize a player for being big. You know, just because he's the biggest guy on the court and we just came – I just drove four hours to see him – don't penalize the guy because three six-foot-two guys are trying to guard him. And it's the same way with Zach. Um, I'm not saying he should get every call, but I think what Matt needs to do is make sure the officials know that this guy is like an anomaly, okay? He's Yao Ming. He's Patrick Ewing. He's David Robinson. He's whoever you want to you know, talk about from you know, the last 40 years. And he's, he just wants a fair shake. Uh, Zach Eady is the national player of the year already, and he's hard to guard. And people are just, you know, what Northwestern did, you know, Northwestern, I thought the police were coming in on Sunday because a couple of those guys committed felonies. Okay. You talk about junkyard guards, <laughs> but the simple fact is if you're, if you're an opponent, that's how you have to guard them. And if you're Matt Painter, you have to fight for your guy. And I think Matt's at that point. He's at that point now. Don't, don't penalize him for being seven, four. I'm with you. I I just wonder if there's a part where you go, all right, Matt, you know, he's also given as well as he's receiving. You you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that too, that too. It's, you know, to me, it's the old story here. If you know what you're doing officiating wise, call it as you see it, you know, period. Right. That's it. If he, if he inadvertently, by the way, the kid accidentally hits you with his elbow when he pivots because you're six nine and he's seven four. So there's a, there's gotta be a leeway both ways there. Yeah, I I I don't blame Matt. I think Matt's doing the right thing. I, I just I just wonder if eventually an official goes, hey man. Last night in the Indiana game, an assistant coach got a technical. Now, Teddy Valentine in ninety-two called a technical on our <laughs> entire bench because we jumped up on a no call. Um I never I got, got three of them. Myself. I got three of them. Did you get one? <laughs> no, three. Hey, three. You know who T? I got two great technical foul stories for me. We we go. I'm at Ohio State. You'll love this one. We go to Minnesota and play on a Saturday night, and Jay Burson, one of the greatest players I've ever coached, probably you know Dan. I coached your your listeners. Got better Google him. Because I coached 18 NBA players. You coached probably more. Um, but pound for pound, best player I ever coached. 5'10", 150, right? And we go to Minnesota. He he splits two defenders at the end of a game. We're down one and scores. And they call him for a double dribble. If there was a monitor replay in the old days, we would have gone nuts. I jump up off my bench, which is hard to do at Williams Arena because it's below the court. Guess who teed me? Right. Jim Bain. The great Jim Bain, one of the all-time legends. <laughs> and so, here, but here's the better story. We get a, I, we're in Maui playing. I'm at Ohio State with Gary Williams. We're beating Vanderbilt by 30. The great C.M. Newton is coaching. And um, we, I, there's a play at the other end. It's the consolation game of Maui. Back then, it was 10 a.m. Nobody was at the game. And so, I yell, over the back. Now, we're up 30. <laughs> We get a T. I get the T. The next day in the Columbus Dispatch, it said, and while the Buckeyes were up 30, Gary Williams inexplicably got a technical foul 
and he's he sees oh, the article man. and he's yelling he's yelling at me. So I uh, I, I act I acted up on occasion. <laughs> yeah, you know I. I, Indiana got one last night, and then somebody asked me, like, you guys had to get – I go, I don't – I know we didn't other than Teddy V got us in the in Minnesota in the, in the, in the Final Four. Um, you mentioned best conference and a while back, uh, Franny, and you mentioned uh, the Big 12 just being dynamite. I don't disagree even a little bit. I got to tell you, though, my boy Alford and the Mountain West, pretty good. I've, I've yeah. kind of fallen in love with a late-night Mountain West game. Well, I live in the footprint, man. I just saw, you know, I, I, I saw, I just saw Air Force and uh, Colorado State here in Colorado Springs. And then three nights later, Air Force beats New Mexico, a good team. I can't disagree. Uh, I love what, I love what Steve is doing. I love what the conference is doing. Um, and I'm going to tell you something, Wyoming and Colorado State, two teams picked at the top of the league. They've had de- devastating injuries, Dan. And if those two teams were healthy, this league would really be crazy. And the proof's in the pudding because I think they're fourth or fifth. They're actually ahead of the ACC on the Ken Palm numbers right now. And the top of that league could play with any of the big boys without a doubt. You know, I, I really like what they're doing. Uh, they had a grinder last night. I mean, I, I was trying to watch and I fell asleep. It was 45-43 Dutchers team at San Diego State and Fresno, they just started guarding. All right, last, last, last thing. You lived in Texas a long time. You know Chris Beard as well as anybody. Came out yesterday. Chris Beard, charges dropped. We all know contracts. What do you think, what happens here with Beard? You know, uh, the police report is what it is, but he's still owed five years. I think this is a little complicated. What, What happens here? Well, if he's got a good attorney and a good agent, he'll try to get some of that money back. Uh, you know, Texas waited to fire him uh, for about three or four weeks until they felt they could fire him with cause. That means they wouldn't have to pay him any of the 20 plus million they probably owe him. That's one story. The other question now is, and the, the speculation is, is he going to be back in coaching quickly? And I, I've only gotten texts from Chris. I can't say that I, I've talked to him. If it were me, did you see Dana White a few weeks ago at his press conference? I, I thought, given yeah. the circumstances, I thought it, it was brilliant. Not again, nobody, nobody is condoning what he did, and he certainly uh, didn't. But he took ownership. He apologized. He realizes that's going to hang with him the rest of his life. I do think if Chris wants a coach, he has to come out, have a press conference, maybe with his fiance. You know, because she was the she was the main uh, um, part of this thing, and if he wants a coach, I think he has to come out. In my opinion, and and say, listen, we're, I'm sorry, we're together, we love each other. Um, what I did was terrible. I regret it. I lost a lot. I lost the dream job of my career. Um, I'm getting help. Um, we're working this out, and I want to coach again. And I think that's the first step back. You know, and. Somebody, somebody, it's America. We always give people second chances, but I also think you give somebody a second chance when you feel confident that they, they, they realize what they did. And by the way, he is a great coach and there will be people, whoever hires him is taking shots at them because that's what they do. But you know, we're, we're a land of second chances. We're a land of forgiveness. And I think that if he does things the right way, he probably will be back coaching and, 
I'd be okay with that, uh, given the fact that he's already been penalized dramatically. That's well said. You know, people are kind of ripping me because I said it was a complicated situation. I mean, it's very complicated. You know, I I have a sister who was a 25-year domestic violence prosecutor in Bloomington, and these things Mm -hmm. are not just cut and dry. They're very difficult. Franny, great stuff, man. Hey, thanks for coming on. That's fun. That was really fun. Always a pleasure, man. Love talk. We can talk ball all day. Always love talking ball. You keep it real, Dan. That's what I like. (laughs) and i started your book on nixon it's fantastic it's fantastic on richard millhouse nixon that's the great phrase i'm telling you when fran is on or seth i watch i do and i turn the volume up i usually turn it down and read a book and pay attention (laughs) to the game but when fran is on and it's true i mean i i Thank you. I get tired of listening to the guys trying to make stuff up. These guys have been there. They'll tell you. They're not afraid. I mean, what the hell? All right. Ladies and See gentlemen, ya. we got Wokadope. Who is the idiot that we are going to make fun of in the political world as we end this show? Who we got? Oh, baby. Maybe. All right. You know, you know, one of the things that I think that people come out with is they just make stuff up. Like, unvaccinated, high risk of diabetes, blah, 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 blah. I've been vaccinated, and I got to tell you, uh, I got it right now. I liked it when they told us, hey, look, if you're unvaccinated or if you're vaccinated, you'll never get COVID. I'm still dealing with COVID. It's been about a week. Last Friday, I got uh, I did a test and I had COVID. I'm still dealing with it. I got vaccinated. There's no way I'm getting more boosters. There's no way. I don't trust it. I didn't trust it at the time. And if people are mad at me, get mad at me. If some little idiot at the Indy Star doesn't like that, you know, I didn't get boosted, then screw him. Little adulterous clown. I mean, you don't care whether that guy or anybody rips you in the media. I mean, I look at people dropping dead all the time. That's all we see. And I will ask questions. What the hell is going on here? Why did DeMar Hamlin refuse? I'm sure it has something to do with a legal issue, and I'm sure it has something to do with you don't want your words in a court of law brought back upon you. But if you don't know, Pfizer is like a $7 billion sponsor of the NFL. I heard this the other day. 80% of our ads now are from companies uh, selling drugs, drug companies. So you don't think that has influence over the NFL? I don't think, I don't think even for a second that DeMar Hamlin was, uh, you know, I don't know, that DeMar Hamlin had a problem and he was thinking about Pfizer, but I do think he was thinking about money. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Austin P. University, the fly is open, let's go pee, an iconic slogan from the 70s. It's uh, right by Nash Vegas where most of our people are. Listen to this. The cheerleading squad has been suspended. The mascot, who's a governor, is not suspended. The only, this only deals with our cheer squad. This does not include our dance team. We're taking this very, very seriously. 25 members. Uh, you know what it is. It's either hazing, sex, money, or revenge. Those four things. Good for you, you wacky cheer gals and boys. Hey, used to be wild stories of cheerleading squads at IU getting out and getting after it. Last, last thing. 
Last night, my wife and I started watching a show. It's called The Cocaine Cowboys. And it's basically a couple-hour documentary on the drug trade as it exploded through Miami. And you know how it exploded? Through illegal immigrants coming over from Cuba. And the words, and the words of our idiot at that time, President Jimmy Carter, who is exactly like our idiot-in-chief right now, Joe Biden, were, we welcome you with open arms and open hearts. And if you looked at who was coming over, uh, Castro said, we have flushed our toilet into America. The people coming over, rapists, Robert, the worst of the worst in Cuba. And you all have lost your mind when President Trump said, look who's coming over here. And what happened? The idiots said, dreamers. What's happening now? Crime is through the roof in the southern district of our, or in the southern area of our country. Murders way up. You look at what's happening in, in uh, New York. Don't try me on this. We need to go back to having some balls. Watch this show and watch what our politicians are saying. This is an abomination, what we're letting into our country, who we're letting into our country unchecked. This is back in the 70s and 80s. I'm watching this and I'm getting infuriated. Because now, if you say these things, like, look, we're letting criminals in, we actually listen to people that have an opinion other than that. We actually pay attention to these morons who have social media backing. The truth is, the worst of the worst are coming into our society. Sure, there are some that are building the American dream, but we all know what's going on here. We all know what's happening here. We all know. Go watch this show and tell me it does not infuriate you to watch how soft and ridiculous our leadership in the government is in our country at this particular time. How they did not learn from the past. Rapes and robbed. Uh, your number one job as a president, as a, number, as a government servant, is to protect the people, the legal people, the citizens of the United States. It is not about open heart, open arms. Give us your drug dealers. Give us your criminals. Give us your rapists. Give us your murders. No, that is not what we are to be about. Period. It's just not. But yet here we are. Honest to God. It's astounding to me that we give any of these idiots in our government any type oxygen. Now, it's seriously astounding. Well, you don't understand. Open hearts, open minds. These are dreamers. Shut up. The vast majority are freaking criminals. And they need to go through a legal, a legal means of immigration. Legal. Not some freaking, not some fraudulent, hey, let's let everybody in. You know who did that? Tell you who did that. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter did that. Yeah, he did. Jimmy Carter did that, and it led, uh, honest to God, watch this freaking deal. Watch this documentary. You will not believe it. How stupid we are. How gullible we are. How we don't learn from the past. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. What a great show today. Tomorrow's going to be better. Thank you all for paying attention. Thank you all for coming. The Outkick Chow, excuse me. Uh, The don't at me chat is absolutely pumping. I will beat COVID. 
I will kick its backside. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Dylan. <coughs> Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, uh, uh, Gary. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Travis. For Thank you for your life, Travis. See you tomorrow.